quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. You can find us online at www.dawnofmantis.com. Also, if you go to Twitter and type in at Dawn of Mantis, that pulls us up as well. Uh, you can Google that as well. We have a Patreon, so there's some cool stuff going on there. If you want to check that out, you can get a free mug. We got at least one subscriber is going to get a mud pretty mug pretty soon. I said mud. No mud. You won't get mud. We won't send you mud. <laughs> Your name is Mud. <laughs> So. My name is Mud <laughs> Primus. <laughs> that bass player is awesome. So, uh, Joe, what's going on? My name's Ivan, and this is Joe. Joe, what's going on tonight? Nothing. How are y'all out in podcast world doing? Listen, man, this is part two. We're doing good. Oh, we got some <laughs> feedback. Thank you. This is part two of a three-part series on deaths that have occurred while filming movies. And I, right off the bat, Ivan, before we do anything else, I want to do... An amendment to the first episode, and guys, I'm sorry, but my dyslexia got the best of me when I was reading about Flight of the Phoenix. It is not 1956, but it is 1965 in which that movie was made, and I apologize to everyone that I let down. This is part two, and we've already done part two once before, and you guys may have tried to listen to part two previously and notice that every 30 or 45 seconds that there was this little burst of distortion that jumped in, we realized that. We found out, to our great dismay, that that was actually on the original recording. We had to scrap it. And for the first time in Dawn of Mantis history, in our two-year history, almost two years, we are re-recording an episode. We're just redoing it. We're just, We're just redoing it. I mean, it. we could have clipped it, but it would have been very weird. Yeah. So, uh, And plus, it would have taken forever yeah. to listen to the whole episode and clip and be like... Where do we cut? So it's no, fine. No cuts. We don't cut. No. We're going to do way better. That's right. We are, we already started better. Sure. So what do we have tonight, Joe? In part one of this three-part series, we covered many of the tragic injuries and deaths that have occurred on movie sets and film locations from the beginning of film up to about 1970. Yeah. Well, the We first, hit every one of them, too. That's right. No, we hit the interesting ones. That's right. And yeah. Ivan, don't you ever goddamn interrupt me again, buddy. I'll tell you one time and one time only. Is that understood? Yeah, a, what a, if I got really What if I got really out of my ass like that? What if I was like this megalomaniac? <laughs> what, if, what if there was a podcast like that? Like, <laughs> like where two dudes were like, this is called the Uncomfortable Cast or whatever. It's like... It's like very uncomfortable to listen to. No, and you know, and this is what we told our our friend Cody when he was on, and it's what we told our friend James when he was on as a guest. Uh, I read a bunch of shit, and and cut me off, because God knows if you have a cool thought and you try to hold on to that while I finish reading out whatever bullshit I am. You'll probably forget it, you know? So that's what I'm... I was, and you know I was just kidding, Ivan. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Oh, sure. I was anytime. just trying to think of something witty to say back to it. Right. Anytime you me, think of like, anything... What do I need to say? You jump right in there, buddy, and you say it because I don't want you to forget it because if this podcast... Are you telling me to do the thing that I've been doing ever since the first... Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I'll I'm... keep doing that. 
<laughs> but really, if this was just me reading, good good coaching, man. It would be boring, man. <laughs> no, no, I get you're like explaining the 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 logic. The, yes. Well, not really logic. You're you're explaining the podcast yes. in case we have a new listener. So, hello, new listeners. Hello, new listeners. Now, listen. The first movie that we're going to be talking about. So, you know, a lot of the movies that we're going to be talking about had one or two horrific things that happened on set, which is bad enough. But the first couple that we're going to be talking about had so many horrific things happen on set that they spawned their own movie curse theories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, let's go into it before I comment. Sure. Sure. I don't want to. I don't No Spoilers. The Exorcist. That's the first one. All right. Now, upon its release, The Exorcist was the highest grossing film of all time. Audiences had never seen anything like it. People in theaters regularly fainted. Others vomited. Some fled the building completely. One woman even blamed her miscarriage on the movie's shocking content. Now, that's hard for us to believe today because... I don't know. People were not as desensitized back then because, you know, nowadays you can go on the Internet if you so choose and I wouldn't suggest it. But if you (laughs) want to, you can go on the Internet and you can watch some shady, dark, creepy underbelly video of like a of like a I don't know, a, a, a Puerto Rican drug lord, like cutting the tongue out of some guy that he thinks ratted on him. You know, there's literally nothing out there that you can't see on the Internet. But back in this day, man, back in the 70s. Stuff was not like that. Like people were not so desensitized. If they saw a little girl whose head spun around backwards on screen, they shit themselves. Yeah, it's not just like like today. A seven year old boy can be like, whatever. I've seen way worse than that on Instagram. Probably has anything. But back in the day, it was completely different. I just want people to remember that. Well, and, and it's and it. I mean, movie making was changed by that movie. I mean, it's just like. To that point, you'd never seen anything like that. So no. it was just new, and it was the latest and greatest. And But imagine now if a horror movie, like, I don't think they ever really hit the box office very, you know, I don't know if any of them ever really, you know, dominate. I don't know what else can be done in the horror genre, and I hope that I'm proven wrong. But well, I think the paranormal activities, that was kind of a cool, and that I thought was cool. those were kind of cool. I mean, I don't love them, but... That was kind of a neat, you know, we're going to have security cameras and we're going to catch stuff going on. So that was cool. The Blair Witch Project frame of mind was cool until it was only cool until everyone found out that it was legitimately just completely scripted from front to back. Well, I mean, you you could have probably figured that out. I mean, you could have probably said, oh, they found these recordings somewhere and they're going to release them as a movie. I mean, think of the legal ramifications of we found recordings and we released them as a movie. You know what? Call me a ginger-headed dumbass. But, but, but it I got first, me. It got me too. Yes. Yeah, when I first I, watched that I'm movie, saying. I was like, "This just changed my life." But you ever this been is crazy? Have you ever been fooled and then you're like, "Wow, that's crazy. Why did that fool me?" Oh, like yeah, if, a lot. if you think about it twice, you're like, "Oh yeah, of course it wasn't real." Now, usually yeah. by a woman, not a movie. But yes, <laughs> that's happened several times. I'm just kidding. But anyway. Listen, man, as far as The Exorcist goes, before shooting even started, it was delayed by a fire that destroyed the entire set aside from Reagan's bedroom. You you know where fire comes from. The devil. From Satan's ass. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows that. He probably farted on the set. (laughs) Good luck making your movie now. (laughs) Listen, man, this fact, the fact that it burned the entire set except for Reagan's bedroom, 
puzzled producers, but would really only be the first of many instances of bad luck to plague production. Yeah. Okay. So just as Max von Sydow, or Sydow, I don't know, man, but whatever. He played Father <laughs> Marin. You got all defensive just like in that moment. Because somewhere- someone, someone like stepped up to you and like- so, oh, that was stupid. And you're like, whatever. Somewhere there's a purist that was like, actually, it's side out. Yeah, but they, but I mean, you couldn't have picked up on it psychically because it's not released yet. But, but you could have, oh man, you could be future, future precognition. Like you I did. could get the thoughts of people before the episodes ever. Wow, that's crazy. I did. You should be like a precog and minority report. They, Damn, they that's had precognition. Yeah. Damn. They could tell a murder was going to happen before it happened, and then it could stop it. But if you stopped it, it didn't happen. So can you really find those people guilty? That's the essence of that movie, and it's an awesome movie. <laughs> Are you really guilty if you didn't do it? Well, they would have done it. Yeah, but they didn't. Oh, man. I love Moral you. dilemma. I love you. <laughs> Ditto. You're, that's why you're my best friend. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with Exorcist. No, it totally does, man. Listen, man. So this Max Vaughn and let's it's S Y D O W Sidow. You got it. Sure. He played Father Marin. Okay. Um, just as he arrived to start filming, he received news that his brother, and I don't know his name, but I'm gonna say it was Clint. Clint Sidow died in Sweden. Okay. Okay. Before filming. He yeah. found out his brother had died, right? Yeah. Also while filming, Jason Miller, now that's the guy that played Father Karras, his son was struck by a motorcycle and nearly killed. Uh, nearly killed. Yeah. Also, uh, what were you going to say? Sorry. Those are sorry. dangerous anyway. Motorcycles, yeah. I mean, people don't look for you. I, I, there was a time in my life I, I was thinking about it. And if you ride bikes out there, I'm on your side. Like, I would be a biker with you. I'm with you in spirit. But... I just, I have a trust issue. People, especially the phones and the phone era, like, no. No. I'm definitely out on bikes. No. I'm almost out on cars because I don't really like to go <laughs> when it's real busy anywhere. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. It's a necessary evil. But keep going, man. The motorcycle. Motorcycles are small and you don't have a any fender bender on a motorcycle is, yeah. Is, it, that's like a shin bender. <laughs> it really well, is man it might be a skull bender right so you know look out for people on motorcycles yeah you need to you yeah. need to look out for people anyway you know i never got into the motorcycle culture but i have a slight affinity for it because of me being in a classic rock band oh yeah and Bikers, most yeah outside of the casino venue arena Almost everything we played was biker rallies. Sure. I've seen a lot of crazy shit happen at biker rallies. Yeah. I've met a lot of cool bikers. I've met a lot of bikers that scared the shit out of me, but thankfully they liked our music, so they gave me a fist bump, and I, my, my sweaty palm gave them a shaky fist bump in return, <laughs> and I was like, please don't kill me. <sighs> and in that vein, Ivan, I'd like to make an announcement. Uh-oh. We're going to get back to the movies, guys, but listen. No one gives a shit, but I'm going to make this announcement. Somebody might. But Someone after might. after 10 years of being in the band that I'm in that most people that listen to this podcast probably don't know I'm even in and don't care, <laughs> but still. Uh, There's someone that cares. I I, uh, I left that band, man. Yeah. I recently, so you know all about we, this. We've been, we've been talking about this off, and, and it's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can say about it, but it's just like, as 
you know, you, you, I think you feel the same as me, like an evening at home, wrenching around in the yard on something is such a valuable time. Yes. And it's something that I took for granted when I was younger, but now it's like, oh, I get to come out here and like, you know, right now I'm putting electric to, to Sagan's treehouse. So I ran like a cable oh, nice. and twisted the, the wire up in the cable. That yeah, way you said like, you were going to do that. Yeah. And lights. we could plug in like some lights out there. So that's maybe great. anything, yeah. but, uh, but just like that time, like, man, that's the cool little project I did. Just, you know, absolutely. I mean, it's just very valuable time and we have our own little like back door and you have it too. I mean, like a backyard, like different things to do. And yes. yeah, I don't know. It's just awesome. So yeah. Um, you know, and I told the guys, we had a band meeting, and I told them my heart had really not been in it for about three years. Yeah. That's a long time. But listen, you know, just in full disclosure, the money is good. And yeah, and you had fun in those three years. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, but the but money I mean, was, I basically stayed for that. It helped pay bills. It helped, do you know, pay for extra stuff. But, you know, we haven't played a show since February. Yeah. Okay. So like five months, we haven't played a show. Well, we played one uh, two weeks ago. Other than that, um, but we had this conversation before then. But anyway, uh, so in that time, instead of because normally I would be gone every weekend, sometimes Friday and Saturday, sometimes Thursday, Friday and Saturday, sometimes also Tuesday. Okay. Lots of shows. I would have been gone every weekend playing shows. And what what really hit me was uh, one particular Friday night at about 10.30, and this has been a few weeks ago, my toddler and I were laying out on the trampoline, and we've been out there for about 45 minutes, and we're laying there, and she's laying on me with her little head on my shoulder, and we're looking up at the stars, and I know she's not going to remember any of this, but I'm telling her about the stars, and I'm pointing out constellations, and Jacob's Ladder, and Orion's Belt, yeah, and we see two shooting stars, and it's beautiful, and then it hits me out of nowhere, really, really heavy, like almost to the point of like it brought tears to my eyes. I thought, my God, you know, if not for the coronavirus shutting down every venue that we yeah. would have been playing, if not for that, I wouldn't have done this tonight. Yeah. I Or any of the other nights in the previous few months, I would be right now in some smoky casino playing classic rock to to people, to, to, to elderly people chain smoking and, and gambling away their their grandkids inheritance. <laughs> so that hit me like a ton of bricks. And the very next morning I texted a couple of the other guys in the band and I said, we got to have a band meeting guys. I'm out. I can't do this. Yeah. I want to be home with my wife and my girls. That's yeah. Where, that's where I want to be. Yeah. And uh, I apologize to anyone who doesn't care about this because no, it has nothing to do with the subject. Matter. Well, but, but the but, why it's relevant is because I've heard a similar story in different places and podcasts and things like that to where, because of all this stuff, like, you got to, to me, it's like out of any situation, it leaves something on the table and it leaves negative and it leaves positive. So in any situation, when that situation is passed, like you got to reach out and grab the positive stuff from the table and put it in your pocket and the negative stuff you have to let kind of fade away True. with the event. Yes. So it's like this, I think a lot of people are doing that. I think they're grabbing the positive from it and, and the positive reminders. That's what it, it to me, that's, it's like a huge reminder, like. I hope during this whole thing you were able to appreciate staying home because yes. I think I think what'll happen is you know to go back to like a big societal point like I think when people stay home more I think they stay 
closer to their communities yeah. more yeah. and, and they, their families they, they and, and also they support their local economies and things like that like i'm buying like local beef now like beefalo mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. i wasn't buying before it's yeah. like just little things like that i think if if you saw a sh- like a subtle shift to people doing stuff like that they're staying home they're they're doing home activities they're having family over and it's in instead of like over we talked about this last time um overextending your thoughts mm-hmm. like like you can only watch so much world news because ultimately, you know, there's a point to where it's not productive. It's not good for your brain anymore. It's not helping you like be a informed adult. It's yes. it's making you like a, like some kind of a shaken adult, you know, that's not productive. That's mm-hmm. like kind of gun shy about the entire world. So I think, you know, I think the stuff pulling back in, staying with their families, learning the, and I hope everyone's learned uh, a, at least a small appreciation. Hey, I just like being home. I never really realized that I like being home. I always look for things. I always like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and we need to plan this. And then every night they needed something almost, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, or every weekend. But I mean, there's something to be said for, I just hope people are finding that because to me, it's just like, and you know this, I'm preaching to the choir. It's like, it's so much more rewarding when you find it, like the the home mentality. Because think it's about amazing. it, what other, I mean, to me, it's like a pack rat, like pulling stuff down and they're in their hole in the earth and they're pulling certain things in and they have their pile of straw here and they have their door and it's facing the right way where when the sun comes in, it warms their old. So like, that's the place where they don't have to like watch for a snake to eat them. Yeah. Like that's their place. They can just, I can chill with my little cute furry paws that's out, it, you know? Man. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I like my pile of sticks over here i think i'm gonna move them you know it's like it's yours you know it's like it's your it's your space so uh, there's no place like home it's like and if you and if you're an adult and you have the power and and you you're with somebody that you that that you know has good energy i mean there's no reason why your home shouldn't be the the place more than any place that you want to be no i can tell you right now my home is my favorite place in the world is full of love. Yeah. I love my wife. I love my kids. Uh, there's no place, honestly, no place on earth I'd rather be than at home. Yeah, one of my them. favorite things is to travel and then to bring something back, like a rock or a magnet for the refrigerator. Like It's funny. <laughs> the travel is awesome, but then when you come back, like that's just like, hey, I'm going to bring the essence of that trip because that was fun, but I liked it for like a few days. I'm not going to like it for a few months. Dude, that's why you are my other half is because, other than my <laughs> wife, my other uh, male you're, you're half. third half. Is that a thing? I don't know. You're my 33.3. Is because I do the exact same thing. The two things that I look for, like when we went to Tennessee and all these different places, I'll grab a rock and I'll yeah. take a Sharpie and I'll write yeah, oh yeah, I do Tennessee that trip Christmas 2019, whatever, whatever. Or I'll get a fridge magnet. You've yeah. seen my so yeah, we anyway. do the same thing. But listen, I do want to say, I do want to say, spray before, clear cone on that rock. So so mark it with a sharpie and uh-huh. buy some. Uh, they have clear spray paint. Yes, and you yes, absolutely. that way it protects it. If yeah. you'll look out here at my waterfall that I built, a lot of those rocks have dates and time. Yeah, and yeah. No, that's awesome, man. But before cool. I forget, I do want to say, in case any of my fellow musicians or anybody that I met out in that world listen to this. I did have a great time. Sure. Oh, yeah. And I spent a decade in that band, and I met a lot of amazing people. Um, I accidentally met a lot of famous and hung out with a lot of famous people. Yeah, it's great stories, great memories. Um, It's crazy. I I watched you guys play. I mean, you couldn't have faked 
having fun and you look like you were having fun out there. So you couldn't oh, yeah. fake that. I mean, no, it was great. You're and, not that um, good of an actor. <laughs> <laughs> but I do got to say, you know, that there's four of us and three of the four of us. Uh, when I spoke to those guys, they were exactly the same mind frame as me. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, it's been great being off. Uh, uh, James, who's been on this podcast before, is an absolute musician to like every cell in his being <laughs> pulses with the love of music. Yeah. And, and he doesn't want to quit and he doesn't ever want to quit. And I love him with all my heart. Yeah, I mean, he, that's that's he's going to carry on and he's yeah, going to start a new sure. band and it's going to be better than anything else. And uh, and. And, you know, James, if you ever listen to this, I wish you every bit of yeah. great luck. It's we'll going to be great. We'll have to go listen to his new band. Yes. That'll be, that'll be yes. a fun little trip, and you you get to be on the other side of it. Uh, hell yeah. That'll yeah. be great. Yeah. Okay. So back to Exorcist, people. <laughs> um, you know, I would like, just go back and you'll know what we just said. Linda Blair and Ellen Burstyn also were both severely injured. Uh, they both injured their backs while filming. Um, other injuries on set occurred when a carpenter severed his thumb and an electrician lost his toe. I do want to go back for a minute. Sure. Um, just real quick. Linda Blair injured her back. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where she supposedly, you know, she's supposed to be being throttled back and forth in her bed by this alien entity. So they put her in kind of like a back brace. Wait, thing. alien? Did I say alien? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I meant demon. No, no, no. It was. It was actually. You should have looked up. You should have saw my face because I was like, <laughs> I did like a gym from the office look. I was like, I'm so sorry, guys. No, no, but I, um, no. Alien. Trust me. Uh, we had to restart this episode because I because my you know my gigantic tongue like <laughs> won't untangle. Uh, Welcome to the bed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, I I just wanted you to know that I made that look because it's really funny to me. Listen, said. should I tell him? Should I tell him? <laughs> Probably not. Let's no, let's do it. Full disclosure. No. Full disclosure. I don't even know. Full disclosure. <laughs> I know I, what you're gonna say. You do. You'll oh. you'll it's fine. I literally never touch alcohol in any form whatsoever. Oh um, yeah, Joe's had a little bit. I found a big old bottle of wine in the fridge that had been yeah. back there since God knows when before I even got here and I, I you know, I dug into it a little. And yeah. now it's gone. So uh, any anything that he happens drank that much. verbally that may be embarrassing or something like that, let's just blame it on that. So, Oh, there we go. What I was saying was demonic. A demonic oh. entity was supposed to have been throttling her back and forth in her bed. So they, they built this brace for her. And literally two guys on the other side of that wall, there was a hole through the wall. There was a pole through the hole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway Sounds and like it was attached to her they they went a little too crazy on it and they legitimately hurt her back like she she hurt one of her vertebrae vertebrae very badly um and so that's how linda blair got injured as far as ellen burston <laughs> chris meeks and john anderson <laughs> pole throttlers that's what it says in the credits <laughs> and they're at home be like look 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 mom here comes my name in the. Yep, I'm 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 on uh, the credits. I was. I'm that's credited. right under key grip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Pole it is. Throttler, <laughs> key grip. Anyone remember that? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Ellen Burstyn. Now there was a scene where she was supposed to have been thrown back by Linda Blair because you know she's possessed by this demon Pazuzu. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And when she's thrown back, um, if I remember correctly, she hit her back like she falls back, actually, like way more severely than she meant to sure 
And she hit her back on this dresser and she screams out. That's a legitimate scream of pain when she does that. So she actually hit her back. That was two, uh, you know, legitimate uh, injuries suffered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Much worse than that, though. Just one week after Jack McGowan portrayed the dramatic death of his character, Burke Dennings, on screen, he died in real life of the flu at just 54 years old. That's Hmm. only a week after filming his last scene in the movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Coincidence. Well, Jax wasn't the only death that occurred, though. So as star Ellen Burstyn put it, and this is a direct quote from a, a, a interview I found with her, she said, there were many deaths during the film. Linda's grandfather died. The assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. The man who refrigerated the set died. The janitor who took care of the building was killed. I think overall there were nine deaths during the course of the film, which is an incredible amount. It was scary. I mean, multiple cast and crew. I mean, if you counted like how many people are on on help film this movie, I would imagine there would be several like goldfish as well. What? <laughs> what? Un, un, uncounted goldfish deaths. I would imagine. I mean, has anyone dug into that? Was there a goldfish in the movie? No, but what I'm saying is the cast and crew. I mean, a lot of them probably had fish, and those things die all the time. Was it at a higher rate? Were more goldfish floating? I mean, hey, what about cats and dogs? I mean, hey, we're talking about 12 cats and dogs. Are you being cats. facetious? I'm just saying, like, like, there's other data. If you were to dig, you would find other bad things that happened around this film sidebar i mean there was probably some planes that were hijacked i don't know how that has to do with it i think ivan's being an ass here folks (laughs) i think ivan is going out of his way to purposefully be an ass i don't think ivan believes in all this i apologize on his behalf hey listen hey you you need a you need like uh if there's something put out there what makes the world interesting is when another guy's like yeah i hear what you're saying but yeah you know, and then they have a little debate about, well, yeah, but you're being, you're being uh, bullheaded and too skeptical. It's like, well, that may be so, but let me be more skeptical now. You know, I don't know. I'm I get saying, it. I get yeah. it. You do that. You do that too. I mean, we all do that. You're the yin to my yang, the snake to my mongoose. <laughs> now, I will say, I'll say this in in defense of myself before you think, well, no, he's just shooting down the topic I picked. I do think all this is very interesting and very intriguing. Yes. Like, I mean, the deaths, especially. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's it's very strange. You know, it is very strange. And as a sidebar, I do want to say one of the prettiest songs ever, believe it or not, was written about a goldfish who died. And I'm not being. Really? Yeah, I'm not joking. There's a band called Pinback, P-I-N-B-A-C-K. And they have a song named Penelope. And he wrote it about his pet goldfish dying. So go listen to that. So mm. as we as we continue, director William Friedkin also claims that several disturbing images and double exposures that couldn't be explained showed up on the final tape. What do you say about that, you detractor? Michael Shermer? I don't think they can be explained. You ginger-headed <laughs> doubter? I'm, I'm going to say that they're unexplainable because okay. that's what you said. So I'm agreeing with you there. I mean, actually, that I I do have a soft spot for all that stuff because I years ago I used to always look at like double exposure, like ghosts and stuff on the internet. There's several hundred websites. Yes, there is. It's it's actually I love the ones that are like 
it's a family outside and you could tell the photo's not staged so you can tell they're standing in front of a house and then it's like a face in the glare of the screen door. I, I love, love that. that. I, I, I love do that, too. Man. And do I think there's a f- ghost there? Probably not, but I still love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the coincident factor. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty cool to me. There's one particular picture of, I want to say it's an air, a World War II air squadron or something. And it's a whole bunch of guys in this picture, but one face that you can plainly see that is in the picture is actually of a guy who was killed in combat like three months before. See, that's that sounds like a Twilight Zone episode. I want to say that's his name awesome. is Freddie something. So, yeah, Google that, man, if yeah, you guys want to be that's freaked cool. out. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff that, that, that showed up on the final cut. Well, not the final cut because they, they edited around that, but a lot yeah. of the film. Yeah. Um, however, as with all things, it's hard to know what's true and what's been inflated. Sure. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, to play devil's advocate. So, it's strange, to say the least. Yeah. Um, as cursed as The Exorcist may or may not have been, the title of most cursed movie ever goes to another horror blockbuster released not long after, The Omen. The Omen. The Omen was a brainchild of ad executive Bob Munger, who, seeing the recent successes of movies like Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist, thought a movie about the Antichrist would really be a hit. I liked Rosemary's Baby. I thought that was a fantastic Me too. It was like a good psychological thriller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And mainly because there's not like, there's not woo in it, really. No. It's just like, kind of like a cult, right? Yeah, you know. To spoil it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it was 67. Yeah, if If you you haven't seen seen it in the last 60 years, then get your life together. I think it's 67. Let me look it up. But keep going. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, when I say that I like horror films, everyone's... Like oh I like I like Elm, Nightmare on Elm Street too or whatever sixty eight to me oh well that's you're good man that's good yeah. um to me your classic slasher films are like you know the films where all these cheerleaders go to cheerleader camp and they all get naked and then get hacked to death those are all good and well those are fine oh yeah but when I say I like horror films. I like films that really, I'm not talking about the jump scares and a girl gets her head cut off. That's fine and dandy. But I like psychological (laughs) thrillers that really crawl into your brain meats and just slash around and really disturb some really low-lying things down in your soul, man. Like when I think about that, The Exorcist would be one of those. Yeah. Uh, What was that one movie? Um Not, uh, well, The Ring is kind of like Yeah, yeah, Grudge. Insidious. Insidious, yeah. Dude, that's a great one. Yeah. But yeah, so not so anybody can just make it quiet for a minute while yeah. this girl's lurking through the hallway looking for her boyfriend because she wants to screw him and then she gets hacked to death by the guy in the hockey mask. That's a jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fun while you're that's eating popcorn cheap. with your girlfriend. Yeah. But dude, the psychological thrill. Sure. The the ones that really get in there. That's well, what to I really me, like. to me, it's not a movie, but the show Mindhunter. Just especially Fantastic. the first season. Like if you think about it, not much really happened in, in the first season. Really, if you if you if you dotted like timelines, obviously it's not a show about stuff happening, but it's just like the feeling that it says. Is the up. first season where they talk to Kemper? Yes. Okay. Good yeah, deal. I talked okay. to him several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the dog is cut up, and they yes. talk to the little lady that's beat up. And, okay. Yeah. You know, there's not really a lot that's happened and I'm not being negative about it. What I'm, but what I'm saying is a lot didn't have to happen and the whole thing. Just set this mood. It's cool. Not really like horror movie feeling, but just kind of a cool, like, I don't know. Like it's, it's really hard to explain a feeling. 
But yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like I love I love anything. Like, you know, one thing that I love most about it is that it's set in the time that it's in. Yeah, I like and, that. And too. I know it had to be, and it, because sure. because it was while these specific serial killers were active. But I like films that go back to a different time. Yeah, I do too. It's 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 a lot what like Lord of the Rings does. I mean, that takes you to a different place and time. Yes. But sometimes I think if you're taken to a certain time and that's kind of familiar because you were a kid back then. So it's almost as good as another place like Mordor or whatever, you know, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been into it, man. When I was 16 years old, we were supposed to do a book report and I did a book report on, uh, this book was called cannibal killers. Oh, and uh, out of them, I chose uh, Ed Gein and um, Bundy. Uh, no, not Bundy. My God, he wasn't a cannibal, but Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, Gein was a Chainsaw Massacre. He he inspired that, right? Yeah, That's yeah. He wasn't really a cannibal, stuff. but yeah, he was the he was the man. He was the the basis for a lot of stuff. But yeah, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. and Hannibal and a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh Jeff Dahmer was the true. Uh, cannibal but yeah i did that book report on that book and um i got a few curious looks from <laughs> teacher and classmates but that's what i'm saying that's how long i've been into this weird shit yeah um man do you of course maybe in high school you'd get away with it but do you think i don't know i guess it's a better question for me but i just don't think it would fly now you What's know that? like book reports like that like, yeah, man i don't know in i don't know if culture. a kid in middle school could do that i mean it had to be the right teacher yeah. I feel like if I was teaching that, I would let that go, but I feel like there'd be a lot of teachers that would not. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it's woke culture, you know? So there was a, uh, well, uh, never mind. I don't want to, I don't want to go there, but yeah, I, I still know if it would, I was going to tell a story. <laughs> Do you not want to go there for well, sure? I was going to tell a story, but then I realized that someone that listens sometimes would hear it. And I oh, like, okay. No, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I don't want anyone to feel weird. It wasn't even that bad of a story, but something that happened at school one time. Tell me after we're done. Yeah, I, I can. Know. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for that. <laughs> Bob Munger pitched this idea of the Antichrist, the Antichrist already being here. He, he pitched it to producer Harvey Bernhard and uh, Harvey agreed to move forward with the project. Strangely though, Munger seemed to have cautiously pitched the idea and started issuing grave warnings as soon as the film was greenlit. Like, as soon as they said yes, he Sad almost was like... about it. He did. He really did. In later interviews, Bernhard recalled how Munger had warned him, and I quote, If you make this movie, you're going to have some problems. If the devil's greatest single weapon is to be invisible, and you're going to do something which is going to take away his invisibility to millions of people... He's not going to want that to happen. I think some of the problem with this film, and it's, it's, I love that you brought it up because it's very interesting to me. I think this is like our version of someone threatening to put Muhammad, like to characterize him in a, in a movie or a cartoon or whatever. Right. I think this is our version. Well, we know how that worked out for the people at Charlie Hebdo. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like the, the Satan, it's like, we shouldn't put Satan into a film or, or, you know, like something so, dr- and then later on, like society was fine. I mean, little Nikki. I mean, I don't think I remember. <laughs> I don't think I remember any little Nikki curses. You know, I would think that if you would make a movie about Satan, he'd yeah. love it. 
Sure. Oh, Satan's yeah. on the red carpet wearing sunglasses. <laughs> what are you wearing, Satan? Well, this is Giorgio Armani. I don't know if he makes, what, what did he make just like perfumes or clothes? I don't know. But the, And then my shoes are this and that, and my pants are this. Oh, Satan, who you got on your arm, Satan? Like, why would he not want to be thrust out into the spotlight? Like, I thought man, that was a weird warning. Man, Satan, you got soul, especially mine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Remember, I sold it to you a long time ago to be a TV announcer. And here I am. Here I am. It worked. Back to you, Julie. Yeah. Yeah. But in those stories, the guy always loses his soul like after two years. You know, what was that whole story with Robert? Uh, help me out here. Johnson. You know, Robert Johnson, man, supposedly sold that's his a soul weird, to that's the a devil weird story, man. at the that, crossroads. There were so many p- people that they wouldn't lie. This is their art. You wouldn't lie about your art. I'm going to give them credit. Like... They said he couldn't do anything, and he went away, and he came back, and he could do everything. After just a very short time. Yeah, and I forgot the time period. My question is, why would you sell your soul to the... Cause, so he met his demise just a few years, right, after showing back up, I'm Robert Johnson, like doing all this yeah. crazy shit yeah. no one had ever seen. Holy crap, Robert Johnson, you're a guitar god, and then boom... He's dead. He got shot by somebody, I think, who believed that he'd slept with his wife or something like that. There's some people that would totally get behind this, die young, and leave a beautiful corpse. But, okay. I mean, seriously. I mean, uh, there would be, you could find someone. You could say, hey, listen, for two years, you're going to be a legend, and that's all you got. You're dead after that, and be like... Oh yeah, tell me about this two years again. You no, know? not me. I'd be no, like, no, no, I, I wouldn't either. I, I want to be a legend, but then even if I fade into obscurity after two or three yeah. years, I want to live until I'm so damn old. Yeah, sure. Like put put me into my eighties or something. Yeah. If I'm selling you my soul, if I'm burning in hell, so as I understand it, if you sell your soul to the devil, you get whatever you get, right? And then once you die, you're burning in hell for eternity. Right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, if I sign that contract, buddy. I'm living to 98. Like, you, you you, put me on the spotlight for a very long time. Or at least let me live. Even if I blow up for just a second and then fade away. Right? The devil's not even that powerful to make someone famous all the way till they're 98. No, though. I don't want to be. No, no, it's no. like, no. This, here's a 98-year-old sex symbol. No, no, no. <laughs> make me like Dexy's Midnight Runners. Blow me up for a minute. I got one hit wonder. Then I can live off those royalties for the next 45 years. You but think make my ass live there? To, sure. Yeah, come on, Eileen. No, no, no. Yeah, there's still royalties with "Come on, Eileen." People man. still buying that song. Sure, on come on. Oh, come At least on. enough to pay the rent and buy you a bottle of sangria every once in a while. But seriously, man, if I'm selling my soul to the devil, even if I'm a one-hit wonder, you are sailing my ass into my late '80s or early '90s. That's the only way I'm burning forever. Hey, Satan. Uh, Joe has a uh, Dexy's Midnight Runner <laughs> proposition. He wants to. Say. It's the Dexys Matt Runner's claws. It's like, uh, yeah, I just want one song kind of like that. And, and saying to be like, are you sure that's all? Yeah, that's all I want. That's it. The DMR claws. Like, well, I was going to give him an album, but it's like, you know, he's the guy that comes in the car lot and, you know, just sells the, or settles the deal in five minutes. Like, <laughs> shoot, I was going to throw in all kinds of stuff, but this guy's okay with this. I'm good with that, man. Just let's power windows and AC. That's all has, I need. This car has three flats. He's good with it. I don't care. Yeah, I can air those up and keep airing them up every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I forget. So you went Dexy's Midnight Runner, or maybe forget what I was even thinking of. It's okay. I was going to say something. You want to go back to the No, notes? no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. But, uh, yeah, let's go back to Let's go back. Maybe I'll figure it out. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Oh, go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Speaking of, um, like, thinking about life and things like that. So somebody put this thing on Facebook 
where it said, pick one of the two. You go through a red door and you lose 15 years of your life, but you get like $2 million. Go through the blue door and you know everything you know right now, but you go back to you when you're 25. Oh, you know, wow. it's like, which ones you pick? And, you know, I had, you know, I could have easily quickly picked one, you know, because it, it means something. It matters. But uh, it, it really doesn't. But then I was thinking, like, both of those are incredibly sad. So think about, let's let's go the 45 one. Okay. So you lose 15 years of your life. What happens? Think about all the events you'd lose in 15 years. Think about the stories we hear about the exonerated prisoner and just how sad you are for, a you know, uh uh, West Memphis three or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just think about how sad you are for them that they lost 15 years or, or, or someone's in prison for, you know, that's a long time. You're missing a lot of things. If you have kids, you're missing out a lot on their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually even the better choice to me. The worst choice is 25 years old and you know what you know now. Well, you're messing up your timeline. You're not going to have the same kids. Your kids are basically dead because you know what you know now. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to, I'm sorry to go all Doc Brown on you, but <laughs> like, you're going to mess up your own timeline. You're never going to meet your kids. You're, you, you'll go up to your wife and be like, Hey, Hey, you should get with me. Uh, I I've, you know, and you, maybe you take, it takes you like a week to convince her because maybe she hasn't met you yet. You know, it's so, like, so like, okay, well, yeah, we're, you're right. We are, you know, I, I could tell you things about yourself that you, you know, you've never told anyone, you know, can I, I can tell you where you have like a, like a, you know, a birthmark. No one ever knows except for your mom. Or her. I had my daughter when I was 25. Well, I was just, so, well, let's say you didn't. So far. Okay. If I already had her, then yeah. I would probably do that. If I hadn't had her yet, I wouldn't do anything that would prevent yes, me from Yes, but you're not, you're not thinking this fully through because I thought about this for a long time, way too much time. Uh, <laughs> everything good that had ever happened to you since, there's a jeopardy of that not happening. So even though you got your wife and you got your daughter, I mean, you may mess it up to where you don't have Graceland. You know, think about that. I didn't think about that. Okay, see, you you, you got to think these things forward because they actually matter. Because if you select one, no, I'm just kidding. Well, anyway, I, what I, I'm saying is like, like, okay, so you get with your wife and she, you convince her, oh, yeah, I should be with you. You're right. I mean, this is crazy. You came back in time. Uh, you're the only person I've known that's ever done that. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully you're the second person. That, no, I'm yeah. But uh, so you have a kid. You have a kid, it's some completely different kid because that you didn't do it the same time and you didn't have the right chemicals in your body and she <laughs> her egg was just a, like her it was a little bit different and the sperm that got in was like you know <laughs> all so, my all my sperm is like that. Trust <laughs> well, I'm me. just saying like so you have this kid that you're like, Man, I'd like to Billy a lot more than you and they're like, Who's Billy? It's like, Oh, that's a kid never that never existed. You took his place. <laughs> you suck. You know, you're, you're not him. You know, yeah. it's like you're the rest of your life's ruined. I think, okay. I think both of those things suck. I think you should buy or beware. You say, no, I don't want neither one of those. Those are tor- horrible. They're both, they both have horrible things that would make you incredibly sad. So you're saying just stay on the path you're on. Well, com- on those two choices. Yeah. If you could do caveats, like, okay, well I'll take this one. If dot, 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 you know, it's like, but, but then that just takes the whole fun out of the question. I might take, I would be like, hey, could I go back to just 35 knowing what I know now? Yeah. I think I would take that one because I've already got my wife, my kids. Um, yeah, well, I, I didn't, mean, that's I didn't not so bad. But, toddler at that but, point, but when you start, but then it's, it's, it's like the dilemma thing. Like, 
once you start taking out things that make it easier, the only reason that's a decent question is because both of those things are hard when we really think about it. That's true. But when you start saying, well, I'll do 35 and can I take $5,000 back with me to, you know, it's like us. It's like, yeah, but you're cheap. And uh, but, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like both choices are terrible choices. Garth people, Brooks said it and best. People, and and uh, this is kind of my closing thing is like people are saying, Oh, B without a doubt. There's not a doubt in my mind. I pick B. I want to go through the blue door because of this, this is <laughs> it's like, that's so stupid. Like you'll never see your kids. Awesome. Good job. You'll never meet them. Nice. Well, if you're like, I don't like my kids. Well, actually, actually, maybe that is a good choice. <laughs> well, no, I, the only reason I might do that is because I already had my kid at 20. No, I, I get what you're saying, but you know, it's just like, I don't know. Uh, it, there, there is. What did Garth Brooks say about the situation? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers, buddy. Yeah, I remember nice. being 17 years old, and I had my girlfriend named Sarah, and my and my sisters would ask me, "You gonna be with Sarah forever?" And I said, "Hell yeah, I'm gonna be with her forever." forever you come talk to me when i'm 70 i'm gonna be with this here gal because we're gonna be together forever and thank you know so garth brooks was right some you know because we grew apart we weren't great and you know uh everybody you're not gonna be with somebody unless you think oh this person's great i'd like to be with them for the whole time i thought i thought he really was speaking to my heart more when much too young to feel this damn old I, (laughs) i really think that's a better line I really think that's that hits me more right here. Yeah, and the saddle's getting cold. Yeah, that, ooh. not much too young to feel oh, this damn old. All right, <laughs> all right. Got more than you bargained for, didn't you, folks? Do you want to read right there where that starts? <laughs> Only for the second time ever, I'm going to step out to urinate really quickly, and right there where I've got that square diagonal okay. thing drawn over it. Okay. Well, Bernhard <laughs> pressed on. Oh, anyways, and indeed, strange and tragic things started to happen even before p- production officially got underway. A few months before filming lead role, Gregory Peck's son, Jonathan, was found dead from a self-inflicted gun- gunshot wound to the head. Many thought it was strange that Peck would proceed with his role in the film, which for those who who are, for those of you who haven't seen it, requires Peck to murder his on-screen son. Peck would go on to deliver an amazing performance, no doubt using the terrible loss of his son as inspiration. Crazy, crazy. Uh, Gregory Peck. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. It's crazy. Uh, wait, I'm not done with that picture. How'd that go? Uh, it went okay. I started talking to myself, though. That's cool. Another freak occurrence that happened very early on was in October 1975 and again involved Gregory Peck. Along with a few, there's an earthquake. <laughs> Joe just like kicked his mic like uh, John Claude Van Damme. Um, get a visual of that. He he roundhouses mic is crazy. <laughs> Hadouken, and again involved Gregory Peck along with a few Omen movie crew members. They were flying from L.A. to London to begin work on the film when his plane was hit by lightning. By lightning. Lightning crashes. One of the engines caused it. Uh, one of the engines caught fire, and the plane very, very nearly, very nearly crashed in the Atlantic Ocean. This isn't easy, is it? Yeah. Although it's not uncommon for planes to be struck by lightning, they do have little uh, static discharge things. It's really cool. They do. Yeah, it's like a little fiberglass thing that sticks out of the edge of the wing, and it has like it, it almost looks like a fork uh, with like tines on it. And that is static that, um, like, just from going through the air, you know, 
static discharges and that. Sometimes you can see a little spark coming off. So of that's it. designed to to kind of evenly distribute that throughout the skin, the outer skin of the airplane, right? Yeah, and I and to give it a a, a place to go out. But I am not sure, and and I kind of misspoke. Maybe I'm not sure if those affect if those have any effect if it's struck by lightning. It seems like it would. Uh, I don't know, but obviously you're you're pretty safe being struck by lightning in a plane because most of the to, time, yes, it wants to go to the ground. It yes. doesn't want to. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. It's crazy. It's like if you stand on a bucket and grab a Highline wire, you're good. Don't step off that bucket. <laughs> but 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 no one try that. No okay. no no. The the science is solid, but don't. Well, do it. down in Manchester, said I was face safe. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Bucket. Well, well, if you can reach it from a bucket, you're a tall dude. But um, <laughs> wait, I could be wrong about that because you're so close to the ground that uh, there's actually you know electric electricity can arc. So yeah, don't do that, folks at home. Well, they couldn't do it anyway, even if they tried. No, there but- was a time when when I was a kid, it was very eerie that we had an ice storm so bad that the 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 lines were like three or four times their the normal size because all the icing, and it was down where you could grab it. Yeah, and that happened again in two thousand eight or nine. Yeah, something like that. I believe. I mean, yes. I, it was eye level. Biblical it's, ice storms, man. It's very crazy. Not that there was ice storms in the Bible, but still, yeah. just like you know, really bad. Uh, okay, back to this. It's not uncommon for planes to be struck by lightning. It's rare for one to be damaged to this, to this extent. That's true, yes. Uh, last paragraph I'll read. Strangely enough, just a few weeks later, producer Mace News- Newfield. That's correct, yeah. Uh, his plane was struck by lightning while, while crossing the Atlantic. Yes! <laughs> Three planes struck by lightning! There's something to it. Come on! After landing, still trembling and traumatized, told the crew that it had been the roughest five minutes of his life, except... For his, uh, I don't know. I don't have anything. I was Except for his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> See, I almost said wedding night, but it's like, man, that must be a pessimistic, pessimistic person. No, nah, like do you could should enjoy your wedding night. Come on, roughest five minutes. I mean, you're the one that married her. <laughs> Sorry. Well, if it was a shotgun wedding, we don't know. Oh yeah, that's true. There are some of those. Okay, I don't know where you stopped reading. Oh, right here. Uh, night. Light of, oh, light of light. so you read through the whole part where Gregory Peck used the... Uh, where his yeah, yeah, was... that's crazy. That's where I started talking to myself. I was like, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? And I was like, I, yeah, yeah, that is. I missed a lot while I was outside. It's like, how you been? been? I've been good. I'm actually you, so you know how I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I love... People, man, just keep listening. Hey, so so be okay. have you ever done this thing where you're like, it's like, what in the devil's wrong with this thing? You're working on something? And then you're like, I don't know. It's like... Why are you talking to yourself? It's like, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm answering. It's like, why did you ask me? And it goes on for like, one of us has to stop. And it's like, well, one of us is both of us. Both of us is one of us. So who's going to stop? It's like, who's, I don't know. What about you? Are you going to stop? No, schi- you stop. Are you schizophrenic? No, <laughs> no but for really, no, though, who- because, because I'm not schizophrenic because I actually 100% know that I'm talking to myself and it is me. Do you really say, though, what the devil is wrong with this thing? Do you no, say that? Well, not that. Okay. No, but I just but, wanted I mean, to clear that been, up. It's been like, what's wrong with this thing? It's like, I don't know. It's like, why are you answering? Why are you asking? You know, quit oh, talking no. to me. It's like, I hate yeah. you. I have always hated you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll kill you. That'll be suicide. So call it suicide, stupid. Who's uh, stupid? I'm stupid. We're stupid. This just in, all contributions <laughs> to our Patreon will go towards Ivan's mental health fund. Actually, you We're know what? Get him the help he deserves. I actually feel like because I could recognize it makes 
that that's a positive for my mental health that I can that I could talk about on the pod talk about bad bad back of that that I could talk about on the I could talk about that on the podcast and it's no big deal. I'm that's the going. second time tonight you've almost called it the podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the podcast oh. tonight. We're going to be talking about maxis versus whatever the hell else there is. I don't know. You would think they would call that in the Northeast. You think they call it a podcast? A podcast. Welcome to the podcast. You know, my wife and I had a ten minute conversation. Actually, still would be pod because it's like instead of they say car, cod instead of car. Yeah, yeah so right. I think they got the odd. You know, my wife and I had a conversation the other day, a ten minute conversation about. Uh, I really legitimately thought that pads that a lady just slapped that on the old vag and then pulled up her panties and then folded the wings <laughs> over to secure them. And I had no idea that it worked like in a completely different capacity than that. Did you know that? Did you know how that worked? I I mean, maybe. (laughs) I don't want to go there, but maybe. I remember when I was like 24 years old, my sisters were explaining to me at a 24-year-old man how uh, tampons worked. Yeah. And I just remember being like, you just walk around all day with with that in there? To me, me, that's a sign. That's just another thing that it's like we should respect them even more because well, they have to do that. That's something else that we should just not talk about. Yeah, so but I'm, I'm just saying, like, I mean, you, I mean, you guys do that so gracefully, and we <laughs> we don't know anything about it. Like, and we're rarely ever. I mean, we see a box of them in the bathroom, but other than that, it's like, oh, out of sight, out of mind. No you know? idea, no like, idea what those things. And they do. just have to deal with all that, and then you know they have to learn how to do all that from their moms and stuff. It's, it's just. uh it's just crazy. It's it's crazy. So women, you know, the whole that and the childbirthing thing, you guys are way the childbirthing thing. I mean, you guys, I'm just saying, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be like, like, th- just throw it out there like it's something minor. Minor. It's something major. Uh, what you know, I think that's one problem. Some men are almost jealous of their wives because they can do that, and they, and they like they don't even know they're doing it. But I think they're kind of. Um, I don't know, jealousy that's like infringing on their relationship. I'm only jealous of other guys that can impregnate their wives. (laughs) Really? This podcast goes deep, man. It does. It does. And I apparently don't. (laughs) I can't. I can't. I'm not. I've I've talked about it before. I'm not even a man. I've gotten two. I've gotten two analysis on on my boys and and they're all just like. Yeah, but if you look at the dictionary, like definition of a man it does that's not one of the able to have children yeah no oh, good okay then i'm okay yeah i mean you you are a man i mean it's, i had one kid i guess 14 15, 14 years 14 yeah, and a half years ago don't question your masculinity in here you <laughs> son of a mother. i can like chop I, wood with the best of them that's right that is in the dic- dictionary definition all right you must be able to chop wood. let's move on before i start crying <laughs> They say lightning doesn't strike twice, and in the case of The Omen, that was also true because it struck three times. Screenwriter David Seltzer was also on board a plane that was struck by lightning. Yeah, you thought the last one we thought was the last one? No! Three times! Gotta unpack that sentence. And if you we thought want- the last one that we said about was the last one that we talked about? No! And if we want to get technical, we can actually include a fourth lightning strike. I'll be damned if it it's crazy! Four? Four, are you kidding? They see lightning doesn't strike twice, but it struck twice, twice. That's twice to the second power. Yeah, Since producing. Not, <laughs> same place. Producer. Different planes, different places, different people. 
Come on, man. You're getting sucked into this omen crap. I know. We're just saying that lightning struck several times on the planet during this time. <laughs> Producer Harvey Bernhard came dangerously close to getting hit by lightning in Rome. <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> it was weird happenings such as these that spurred on the idea of a movie curse even before the film was in full even before the film was in full production. Well, I mean, so I th- I, th- I think about this on some of these. Like, it's already stressful probably making a film. Probably. So probably anything. You know, it's it's like it's like if you're outside and you're hot and like something like minor, like you know, a a stick falls on your leg, it doesn't hurt. You're like, oh, you know, you know. It's like everything is just like you're on the tipping point because it's like 99 degrees. You're working outside and. 89% humidity. Yeah. Anything. Uh, by the way. Yeah. Here's my rant for tonight. Go ahead. Rant away. Let's be let's be more scientific in our society. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just saying that it's 95 degrees outside mm-hmm. doesn't paint the whole picture. Why don't we do what we do with blood pressure on temperature? Why yeah. don't we do temperature like 95 over 48? So it's like 95 and then 48% humidity. Why isn't that just so common? It's like, hey, how hot do you think? It is? Oh, it's about 70 outside. Why don't we say, oh, it's 70 over 30? And that I way you'd say, it. I mean, it's so much It's so much faster to say. You know? And I'm going to tell you why it matters. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because we're, very quickly we're painting a better picture of what it is outside. So it's it's not like one of those things be like, oh, what, what a liar. They said it was so, you know... They said it was, you know, 70 degrees, but it's like 99% humidity. It's like terrible out here and sunny, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It does kind of matter a little bit. It's funny that you say that because our friend Val flew in from California. Sure. And she stayed with us for a week, and she was saying that exact same thing. Where she lives in California, so it was 95 here while she was here on a few days. Yeah. And she said... Well, you know, it could be 102 where I live in California, but it is such a yeah. dry heat. Yeah. So the is it called the windshield? Wind, wind chill, but it's uh, uh, heat index in the- Heat index. In, yeah. So, yeah. So, it, you know, here where we live, it's always more. Yeah. It's 92, but the heat index is 102. Well, where where she lives, yeah. it's less. Well, it's 95, but the heat index is 91. Well, I- <laughs> Explain that to me. Why am I getting so fired up about this? I'm against it. <laughs> I'm against temperature. Uh, well, uh, so the thing is, is this. It's like, um, and I've always thought this, and I'm not sure if I'm right because I've never looked it up, but I think it's all about conductivity. I think it's I think it's the, the moisture in the air conducts either the hot or the cold into your skin more efficiently, and you feel it more. That's what I think. That makes total and, sense. And yeah. another thing that I know is true uh-huh. is when you sweat outside, your skin film forms little sweat bubbles. And the as that sweat evaporates, it pulls heat out of your skin. Okay. Because it just pulls heat and goes out in the environment. But air is like a sponge, so it can only hold so much water. So when the humidity is super high, it can't take uh, it can't take that water away from your skin and it does not evaporate very fast and the sweat just sticks on you and 
that and it also doesn't pull the heat away. Okay. So it's like sticky and it's not doing it's not doing its efficient system like it normally do. That makes sense. If it was like thirty percent humidity. Okay. So I yeah. do know that. <laughs> that's and that's all, that's uh that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Actually, that's not my story. That's uh, countless hours of scientific research that um, brought that to you. So, not my story. <laughs> <laughs> the very first shots desired for the film were simple aerial shots over London, which should be no big deal, right, Ivan? No big deal. We're not, just going to get some aerial shots over London. Especially not now in the drone age, but it's pretty dangerous back then, right? Back then, you got to go up in a real-ass airplane, and you got to put your ass on that real-ass airplane with a camera, and you got to stick your ass out that airplane with the camera and film down. You can't just go over with a drone. Exactly. A drone is is legally considered an aircraft, though. I it is? I oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you have to have a license to fly one. Oh, okay. Well, in the Omen... Even this was tainted by tragedy. Just flying over and getting some aerial shots. No big deal, right? No. Hell no. Not sure. Roman. A plane had been booked to take off with a select crew and cameraman to capture this initial footage. But at the last minute, they were informed by the rental company that their scheduled plane had been switched with another. And instead of them, this cast and crew, it would be carrying uh, several Japanese businessmen to their destination. Mm. However... <laughs> just as the plane was leaving the runway an enormous flock of birds appeared and were sucked into the engines causing the plane to crash back to earth where it hit a station wagon as it crashed panda freaking monium was it a flock of everywhere. seagulls <laughs> and i ran yeah i ran so, so far, far away. away really though to be honest six were killed in the accident And if not for the last-minute switch, the Omen's director, Richard Donner, a cameraman and one of the producers, could have been among the casualties. Yeah. Yeah. Bird strikes, crazy thing. There there is a – and by the way, you can fly a drone without a license. But um, to actually take any kind of photography that would be considered commercial, you'd have to have a license. Sorry. I didn't want somebody to be like, no. But anyway, uh, so so I I do know a funny – story about bird strikes oh regalus there was a uh they're uh, called bird strikes yeah bird strikes okay yeah, that's the official like i get well i don't know how official that is but anyway well i think good. i think maybe in a in an faa report i think they call it a bird strike bird but strikes. uh um so cessna wanted to test their new windshields for these planes so they sent so they sent it to this scientific test company mm-hmm. and they said that they wanted you know, them to rig up where they could shoot turkeys at the plane. (laughs) Seriously. And so, uh, the initial report went back to Cessna and said, uh, every test, every windshield failed. Wait a minute. They shot turkeys with an air cannon. No, 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 no. Like butterballs. Butterballs. No, not a lot. They weren't frozen, were they? Because that's not accurate either. Frozen turkeys aren't frozen when they're flying. Wait a second. And turkeys don't fly at thirty thousand feet. Yeah, but but they wanted to 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 like overdo it, right? (laughs) You didn't want to shoot like you know a baby parakeet that you get (laughs) from the pet store. It's like, oh yeah, it's fine. And then and then you hit some big bird or something. (laughs) Not big bird, but anyway. uh, So they they sent this thing like test failed, and they're like, wait. We've done all, you know, this is similar to another model we have. All we did is make some minor, some minor modifications. Like at least some of them should have 
past. But I mean, you nailed it earlier. Like they had a guy that was new or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and they found their own mistake. But uh, they were shooting frozen turkeys at the windshield. They were frozen. Yeah, that is such bullshit. <laughs> Because a frozen turkey is going to have so much yeah, more. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're all you're all over it. You're all you're all over it, but you're not quite stepping in it. Like <laughs> they they found out, like, oh yeah, we shouldn't be shooting frozen ones. <laughs> like they just didn't think. Or they had somebody that wasn't thinking. Like like someone there figured it out and thought, oh wait, why would you know someone shooting frozen ones? So they figured out. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's just like one of those things, like. You know, if a, if a, if a, if it'll block a turkey, it'll probably block most or deflect. But what would block a frozen ass turkey? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. My God, that's like a solid projectile. I mean, yeah, the size of a car tire. A frozen anything. A frozen anything. I mean, yeah. There My was a, there was one of those books that's like uh, it talks about stupid answers. Get uh, kids right in uh, test. Oh yeah, yeah, I love those. I love that. Yeah, and one thing was like, uh, um, they wanted somebody to put the formula for hard water, which is which is water. You know, iron is an iron, high iron content water. It not call it hard water. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So someone put ice on there. That's good. <laughs> like they were supposed to put like H two O two, like Fe or whatever. I don't know yeah, what the formula. Did. Fe is iron, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes, but they put ice. That's oh hard God. water. That's that's great. Yeah. Or, or well, it's really producing some hard water. It's like, oh well, you don't have to buy ice now. <laughs> anyway, um, you got ice out of your well. That's cold well. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. So back to the omen for those of you who are still listening. <laughs> In one scene of the movie, Gregory Peck is trying to escape a cemetery while being attacked by a pack of dogs. Though, if you those of you who have seen the movie will know what I'm talking about. Those of you who haven't. Just close your eyes and imagine it, unless you're driving. To film this, a group of trained Rottweilers were brought in to attack stuntman uh, Terry Welsh, who was wearing a specialized suit to protect him. Sorry. However, for reasons unknown, the otherwise obedient dogs started attacking the stuntman for real. Those dogs were cursed. They were. And continued to do so even as their trainers screamed at them to stop. They were so ferocious they even tore through parts of their protective suit, injuring Welsh severely, and he had to be taken to hospital to treat his wounds. The trainer was uh, David Berkowitz's neighbor. <laughs> Devil dogs, man. <laughs> man. That guy killed people. Just a productive member of society. Stupid dog told him to kill people. Was that the same dog in Road Trip? <laughs> That talked to that road guy. trip. Yeah, it was a golden retriever. I, know, I remember road trip because of Tom Green, but I can't remember the golden. Oh, I do remember that. Remember it was well, it was because they smoked marijuana. Oh, but but all that dog said was like, tell little, tell that old bee to get in maybe there, some make, pancakes, maybe some pancakes. That's I think that's all that dog said. Yeah, I don't I, think he ever told him to kill somebody. He didn't. He didn't. I mean, but I mean, come on, pancakes at that hour. That's a little unreasonable. That's for that close dog. to murder, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Okay. You're a man's best friend. Not yeah, you know, Pancakes aren't part on. of the deal. So another tragic event during the film's production was when animal trainer Sidney Bamford was attacked and killed by a tiger. The producers had been filming the previous day at the lion and tiger section of the zoo, and Bamford 
had assisted them. The very day after shooting, Bamford misjudged a tiger's location within the enclosure, and when he struck his head, or not struck, when he stuck his head in the tiger pit for a look around, the tiger bit him, fatally piercing his skull. Yeah. (laughs) What'd you say before that? I probably shouldn't have. What'd you say? It's great. Oh my God. You insensitive ass. No, I just was thinking tigers. I mean, Unthought. it's not, I'm not insensitive. It's or insensitive. That young man had family and loved ones. No, no, but I'm. I was just thinking to Tony the tiger. I haven't thought about him for a long time. No, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's if, <laughs> if you Google this incident, though, it'll probably say that he was mauled to death by a pack of lions. But in the words of producer Harvey Bernhard, and I quote... There'd be a pride of lines anyway. A pride? Yeah, not a pack. What the hell are you, man? Some kind of uneducated dipshit? <laughs> in the words of Harvey Bernhard, quote... <laughs> he was killed the day after we shot there. He was killed by a tiger. That's like... He grabbed him by the head and killed him instantly, end quote. That's kind of like guy that... Is- <laughs> Is gonna lose the argument, but he picks up on something so stupid, like like a little things. It's not pack, it's pride. It's like, well, what about the fact that you know? It's like, no, 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 you said it wrong. It's like, no, no, we want to talk about the the incident. Was, well, yeah, the incident where you said it wrong. You know, it's like, I don't know. I just became that guy. That's a new character I'm working on. Oh, I like that character. Yeah, you it's called the bait and switch. The bait and switch. Bait and, the old bait and switch. That's right. Other incidents that are attributed to a movie curse are the two bombings the ca- that cast and crew were nearly involved in. Hmm. One was at a restaurant and the other at a Hilton hotel. And both were set up by the IRA. What's the IRA? IRS. Yeah. What is it? Well, that's the Irish Republican Army. Now, this was a paramilitary group whose main goal was to basically run the British out of Northern Ireland and were setting off a lot of bombs around Britain at the time. So just about anyone in the area could have had a quote unquote near bomb experience cursed or uh, not. So you think it was like a little bit away and they're like, oh, we almost got bombed. Well, one of them was a hotel that they'd been staying in and they'd left, I believe, and the hotel was bombed after. And the other one was... Uh, yeah, but you don't get to do that. You don't get to say, like, I was almost bombed true. because I left two days before that happened. True. And the other one was with Gregory... I guess you could say... Sorry to cut you off again. No, it's fine. I guess you say, well, we were going to stay longer, but we decided not to. So, I mean, you got a little bit of... But... Well, the restaurant deal was Gregory Peck was, uh, I think he had reservations there to take a few people there. And a couple hours before the reservations. That's interesting. That's creepy. But, okay, listen, man. Our whole deal (laughs) is (laughs) this was cursed, right? Don't sound that way to me. It sounds like you guys were blessed. You almost got blew up. Oh, yeah, it's a perception thing. You almost got blew up at at your hotel. You almost got downed by a lightning strike in your airplane it sounds like maybe god was was pushing this thing through you can yeah, look at it from the other like, side maybe yeah, god was so, like yes we'll be this movie will uh, be made to spread the message that god will always defeat satan no matter what is read in revelation so satan Bible. was cursing them but god was pushing it through hey that's a, i like yeah, that except that's for a, i don't believe in either so that's, that's a, a holy water glass is half full uh <laughs> reference i like it holy water glass is half full you know, it's comments <laughs> like that that make this some of the best content you can find. 
<laughs> well, until you search a little bit more. But it's some of the best content you can find that's a that has Mantis in the title. That's true. Now, I mean, I'll stand by that. Yeah, unless there's something better. <laughs> so even after the film was released, the curse seemed to continue to follow those who had been associated with making it. About a year later, stuntman Alf Joint, who had worked on The Omen, was performing stunt work on another film called A Bridge Too Far. Remember that name. He was badly injured in a stunt gone wrong. He was supposed to jump from a building and fall about 40 feet into the safety of two large airbags. Not that far, really, for a stuntman. However, when the time came for the stunt, he leapt awkwardly and ended up landing between the airbags. He was seriously injured and had to be rushed to hospital. Now, why the hell would this veteran stuntman botch up such a simple 40-foot fall, you might be asking yourself. Are you asking yourself that, Ivan? Yeah, I, I was. You know, it was very uncharacteristic for this for this guy uh, who had been doing this forever. Now, when asked what went wrong, he replied, and I quote, "It was as if it was as if I were being pushed from the roof. I felt like someone pushed me." Yeah. Now, what makes this really strange is at the time of the stunt, no one else was on the roof except for Al Joint. So electrical charges are building up maybe maybe there's not a storm in the area but you know you could have a freak lightning strike so something pushed him off and the lightning never you michael Shermer, son of a bitch (laughs) he was pushed by invisible forces actually no no i i'm actually supporting his thing i'm supporting the thing where where god is pushing this through so the the devil was going to strike him by lightning he's like oh we're going to push him off this just a little bit early it's like ah haha devil we're going to strike now. He's already down on the ground. It's not going to matter. He's not going to, you know, have you even seen, though he got hurt. Have you seen that picture where it's, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it's Jesus and the devil arm wrestling. Oh yeah. You've seen it. And then it's like, uh, <laughs> does it say share or something below it? Like it's something a social like media that. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> man, it reminds me a little bit of the scene in predator when they give the handshake <laughs> and it has their arms. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, when you're a kid and you watch that and you see that scene, I mean, you you don't have to be a homosexual kid. Um, And if you are, that's totally fine. But what I'm saying is that was the awesome scene when they're when they shook the hands and their big giant arms and you're like, oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so amazing. And Predator, whenever Schwarzenegger and uh, uh, the black guy. (laughs) I don't know. Fing Rames? What was his name? Fing Rames? I don't know. No, it was the guy from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the guy from Rocky, Apollo Creed. <laughs> oh, Dolph Lundgren. No. Was it Dolph Lundgren? That was Apollo Creed? No. No, no that was that was the Russian guy. <laughs> Straight here from Russia. He's named after Apollo, which is the mission that beat the Russians to the moon. Can I so admit they named, something? So they named no a go back a go back machine. We could edit that out <laughs> a way back machine. But listen, can you imagine a little boy in Russia being named after the Apollo missions? Listen, this is Apollo Creed. <laughs> In hindsight, I realize. <laughs> no, you're a huge fan of all, all that, and it's no. Stuff. Yeah, you liked the Rocky stuff. Not didn't? really. Oh, you didn't like Rocky? I never. I haven't even seen them all. Oh, I like. I them. made it through part of a few, and I realized that the formula was just 
like an hour and a half of him going. No, there's so much more. And then he almost gets killed, and then he comes back. And then I never watched anymore. But no. So at at first glance, yes. It didn't get you. It's the same way Exorcist didn't get me. It's like, okay, it didn't get you. It got me. No, yeah, it didn't get me. It got me right there. And that's why I didn't know. sternum. Right. But I do know, I do know, though, that Apollo Creed was a black guy with a mustache. Yeah. And I do know that Dolph Lundgren was the Russian guy. Yeah. So I apologize to the listeners. No, no. It's just, it's it's very easy to throw something out quick like that. Sure. But it was so ironic, so I had to make fun of you for that just a little bit. Sure. But I retract any statement that might have hurt your feelings. Okay. What were we talking about before that? I don't know. You're uh-huh. reading something from a paper over there. <laughs> <laughs> if we really get technical. Okay. So we were talking about Alf Joint, who worked on the movie. Yeah. And then Fell while in wor- between the airbags. Yes. While working on a different movie. Uh, what's really even spookier, though, um, you can find it online. A photo of the injured stuntman in the hospital is a carbon copy of Lee Remick's hospital scene in the Omen movie. Same tubes, same setting, even the same arm is bandaged. That's highly coincidental and interesting. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But perhaps the worst tragedy of all of those associated with the Omen was what happened to designer and special effects artist Richard Johnson. And not really what happened to him, but technically what happened to what happened to the gal that was riding with him, but we'll get into that. Not only had he been heavily involved in the making of the omen, but he had designed what was possibly the most gruesome death in the film, in which David Warner is decapitated by a giant sheet of glass. You might remember this. The the the, the truck is backing down the driveway. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that, yeah. As fate would have it. After the Omen's release, John and his assistant, Liz Moore, were on location in Holland working on a bridge too far. This is the same goddamn film that Al Joint had been working on and got injured, right? It was Friday the 13th, 1976, and while driving through the countryside, Richardson's car was involved in a terrible accident. Although Richardson escaped alive, poor Liz Moore was literally, literally cut in half by part of the car. As if all this weren't spooky enough, John Richardson claims that as he climbed out of the wreckage, bloody and dazed, the first thing he saw was a marker post that read 66.6 kilometers. Oh, no. But wait! We're There's not done. more. I'm the Billy Mays of podcasting. <laughs> One of the next towns over, which Richardson would have passed through had he not crashed, was Omen! Did you hear me? Oh, I heard you. It doesn't look like you've shit your pants yet, so you <laughs> obviously didn't hear me. Omen! Well, how could you see that? <laughs> I don't really know. I mean, I think I would see it some visual interpretation if like you shit a, your pants. I'd make a face. You would, surely. <laughs> what if, if I'm a good actor? What if I'm like, oh, man, I'm classic? You deserve trained. an Oscar if you can sit yeah. here dead-eye me straight in the face and shit your pants and not even give me any visual indication. Like I smell something, so. but he never made a face. But listen, though. It was Omen, okay? This town that had he not wrecked, he would have passed through Omen. It was just spelled slightly different than the movie, but still Omen. Okay, so the marker post, the 66.6 kilometers, that thing has been disputed. Because some people say that they don't do in point. You know, they only do like 65, 66 kilometers. They wouldn't have done 66.6. Maybe it was, though. Maybe they. Maybe it never said that, but maybe someone did some math and it was 66.6. Well, supposedly someone else who worked on the movie had driven to that location and claims, and I saw this in an interview on YouTube, that the uh, site of the crash was 66.6. So I don't know. Yeah. But 
whether or not you want to believe that, it is an undisputable fact that the town of Omen does exist, and it was on his route that night. I wonder how many omens there are in the world. I wouldn't think very many. So I wouldn't think so either, man. Yeah. Nah. So that's it, man. That's it for the curse of 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 the uh, Omen movie. So, okay, someone that was a diehard believer in this, what would you say they would say, like, what's the point of a curse? Like, is it to send a message to other people? Like, is it like advertisement for the for the afterlife in a way? It's like, hey, I'm here. I exist. You know, you're going to be here eventually. So yeah. here's a curse. I'm going to show you the power I have on the real world. But it's very subtle power. I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm the devil and I'm, however, where, where's the devil supposed to live? In the core of the earth or something? Isn't that right? Well, I mean, there's there's kind of a new like idea that like when we talk about fourth dimension, like, like heaven and hell are like, like there, like, Oh, point to it. It's like, well, I can't point to it. It's like another dimension. Oh, okay. So, which is way more rational than, than saying, yeah, dad's up there or dad's down there. You know, when I was a kid, I remember my pastor talking about, and I, man, this makes me so mad because this scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And then when you grow up, probably know what you're going to say. Well, when you grow up, there was a eureka moment where something hit me and I was like, oh, that's bullshit. (laughs) So, anyway, eight year old me is sitting in church and I vividly remember my pastor talking about some place, some damn place Mm -hmm. where they drilled a hole really deep. Oh, all the way to the earth's core. And I'm not joking. He said this. He said this in a group of people, a, a whole congregation in a church. And then he said, and I know this isn't true. This never freaking (laughs) happened. They lowered a microphone down in this hole, right? So they must have had a... That's the first thing you do. A microphone cable that was however many hundreds of miles long or whatever. I don't know how long it is, how far it is to the Earth's crust. But it's a long damn way. They lowered a microphone down there and he said, before they even got it all the way to the core, they started to hear screams millions of screams of people yeah but that contradicts their own stuff because it's not supposed to be until like judgment day and all that stuff and then like everyone's judged and then well so why are people sent early i mean are some people so bad where they're like well you you know it's like we're like oh you don't get a trial there's two schools of thought because there you go there's one half of the people that believe when you die you go straight to hell and there's another part of the people that believe when you die that you're in limbo until the day of judgment even the bible itself remember the 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 parody or what not parody the uh what's it called what's those things in the bible called the books not the books but like the, the not the prophecies and oh i i wish you're, yeah it's uh, like the oh i can't remember the name of it yeah anyway i'm not sound like a total idiot here but um uh, it was the parable thank you yeah i gotcha of the wise man oh okay so you know, he didn't help out the poor guy, the leper or whatever. And at the end of the parable, the, the the rich man, not the wise man, the rich man is in hell and he looks up from hell and he says, Lord, give me but just a drop of a water on my tongue for my I am tormented in these flames. Yeah, that's almost verbatim what it says. So in that vein, in the Bible, it, it that would lead you be, to believe that hell is already a thing that's going on down there. Yeah. And people are entered in as they die. But then of course there's other things that lead you to believe that it's just awaiting the day of judgment. Either way, that's neither here nor there. 
I don't remember what we were talking about. Did you hear about the the band from the uh, the kids from Africa that's they don't have clean water and that most of them have AIDS? Did you hear about their their cover song that they have? No. Yeah, they they do that this song called "Ooh Hell Is a Place on Earth." <laughs> Went a long way for that one. Oh, damn. I but I'm just saying, and let me tell you why I said that. Okay. Like, okay, heaven's a place on earth. Yeah. Um, According to that bitch from the 80s. But, but, but like, <laughs> okay, let's that? go back to the Bible stuff. It's like, so, like, some people in this life get it pretty scot-free to where things are pretty good for them their entire life. And then they get judged on that and they get to say, you go to hell or heaven. But then you got someone that like lived in a country like that to where everything's wrong. And then they get a judgment too. And then it's supposed to be where they don't get any credit over anyone else for that life they've lived. Correct. So it just seems like it's like, why do some people almost get two heavens? You know, that's true. And why do some people get one hell and one heaven? That's and why true. do some people get one hell and then another hell? Because they never knew to like do that. You know, supposed to be you're not, if you don't know, you're not supposed to get it. You know, I guess. I mean, if you're not, um, I don't know. But I'm just saying, it's like, how is that fair? And, and that silly, stupid thing that I just made up was just to kind of sell that. It's like, why do some people get two heavens? Yeah. I was telling you, remember, before we started recording that there were, so uh, for those of you who don't know, there is a uh, YouTube channel called Soft White Underbelly. Yeah. And this guy basically goes and finds the the most unprivileged, most downtrodden, unlucky people in our society. And he uh, just records interviews with them and, and does photo shoots with them. And one that I watched was a 17-year-old homeless girl that was living on Skid Row in Los Angeles. So he just basically talks to her and asks her about her life, and it turns out that she started being molested by her stepfather at 13. She started doing crystal meth when she was 14. She ran away at 14. She had her first child at 15. That child died when she was 17. And at the time of the of, of the interview, she was almost 18. And it is an absolutely heartbreaking thing to watch, and you just realize, and I just watched this today. So you realize when you're watching that, how lucky some oh. people are over others. And I mean, those of you who are, you know, you might be listening right now and you have, you know, you might be listening to us at your six figure job and you've got a, a Lexus sitting outside and you've got a 250 K house at home with a trophy wife and a couple of kids in private school. And you think everything's just right. But man, the circumstances into which we are born we should be thankful for those of us who were not born into something like that. Sure. Thank your lucky stars. I mean, every think about day. just the fact that you're born now instead of, you know, in some crazy time in history. I mean, oh, for sure. Bubonic plague or something. You know? Oh, yeah, because there are so many people like they'll watch Pride and Prejudice and they'll say, well, I wish I would have been born in the in the Victorian times. Well, let me let me tell you, Wait. only a select few were born into the upper echelon, the silver sure. spoon up their ass. Yeah. Most of us, if you were born into that other time, would have been born into the same class that you're in now, which is the the lower class, the working class, yeah. and you would have had dysentery. Yeah. You would have been shoveling shit somewhere for just like a meal every day. You wouldn't have been like whatever you're picturing. Yeah, and it's it's like it's like 
if you could pick whatever time you're born into, I would say, well, what's the latest time I can pick? What's the latest? <laughs> because just because of medical technology is like, you know, and just longevity and stuff like that. It's like, I, I want where we actually figured out. Cause I mean, you know, there's going to be things that we all consume and we all do that in 20 years are going to be like, man, people shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. It all seems le- legit and good now. But, uh, so it's like, we just learn. I mean, so it's like, oh yeah, later times better. You know, I, would I, pick- I don't want to I don't want to go back to the, you know, definitely not the forties, fifties and sixties. That sounds cool. But then it's like, unless you're black. Well, that, or, 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 or <laughs> hey, let's be honest. Or Italian or, or, or Irish. A woman. Or a woman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, for sure. And we're still having trouble with all that stuff. But what I'm saying is like, um, I mean, you could go to the doctor f- for something now that's just like, hey, we got to schedule you for surgery on Tuesday at two. And it's like, oh, should I be worried? Oh, no, it's not patient. Go back to 1950, the same things. Like, oh, oh my goodness, we're going to get your emergency surgery only like, you know, 10% of the people survive this surgery. Now it's done by laser and like a computer. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you got to pick later. Yeah. <laughs> I would pick, I'd be like, uh, can I be born in early 1980? Because I feel like I'm <laughs> right in the time I'm supposed to be. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, but because because you are there, you know, it's like you, you, you belong. Yeah. yeah. And, and and that's part of getting older too, accepting like, hey, this is the best time for me because I'm in it, you know? Sure. The best cup cup of coffee I've ever had is the one I have right now. Sure. I don't know. I mean, when you're younger, you can say something like that to a younger person. They're like, that's stupid. The next cup might be better. It's like, it will be. Yeah, but I mean, it will taste better because it's the one I have. Wait, what do you mean by, (laughs) what if you go to the place that has the best cup of coffee in the world? It's like, well, at that moment, it'll be the best cup of coffee. Sure. I don't know. They just don't get it. No. They, They know the price of everything, but the value of nothing. That's right. I've heard that from an old guy. I like you're an old guy. Oh yeah, I heard you that. are an old guy. Yeah. Are you 41 or 42 now? 42. God, you old. God, you're so old. <laughs> I'm only 40. Uh, 7.5 miles. What's that mean? I I was gonna go back, jump back to this callback. Uh, that's the deepest hole ever dug. The deepest, and they didn't oh. put a microphone down there. I don't think it took them 20 years to uh, the um, Cola Super Deep Borehole. I think it is in Russia. Okay, but that's not even anywhere near the Earth's uh, core, correct? Oh, no. No, no, no thank no. you. No, so, no. No, it's like, I think I read one time, I think it's like 7% or something. Yeah. Okay, so so this is a very real thing, and we will get back to the notes, but I really want to address this for a minute. The microphone thing? Uh, yes. So that means... That that just affirms something that I already knew. My pastor, a man who is supposedly blessed by God himself, lied. Well, we have not dug to the well, core. Wait a second. Wait a second. Lying would indicate that he knew that it was. Of not course, true. he knew. You think I'm he knew? Sure, he knew. Uh, I'm gonna. Or whoever him- told him lied. Oh well. Hey, at some point, somebody lied. Yes, but I don't even think it was the pastor, and I don't think it was five people back. I think it was way back. I mean, I, I don't okay, know. Okay, but listen, listen, listen. As being the guy who does uh, the bulk of the research for this podcast, as a pastor, if I would have heard that, I would have researched it before I told a group of 70 people that would think that forever. Like, I researched yeah. Like, if I say something on this podcast— 
uh, anyone who's listening, if it's incorrect, feel free to correct me because I want to be corrected. But I tell you what, if anything that is said on this podcast, I've checked like six different sources to make damn sure yeah. that that's true. Well, it's it's so here's the thing in times are changing and, and, and I know we've got crazy stuff going on in the world right now, but I will say that there there are these people exist now and, and they didn't exist. I don't think when we were kids so much. I think there are informed uh, pastors and religious people. So I think there are pastors that would get either as mad or or more angry than you got about that. Because I think that with faith-based stuff and reading out of the Bible, I think they realize that's a faith thing. But then I don't think they'd ever cross that line to lie. Right. And also, and I think they've realized what we've said for years, like, you know, let's not— we. You know, we don't need to go to Revelations all the time. We don't need to talk about this book. We don't need to, like, we need to pull people in with love because these are the people that are going to be in here for the long haul and the people that we want to hang out with. Right, right. Like, we don't want to stoke the fire, and and that's kind of funny that that relates. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, like, that's not what we, we're not going to tell you the consequences because, listen, if you want to get people into your congregation and you want to get them there because – they're just posing and they're like, well, if I don't come and don't listen to some of this, I might end up burnings. Like don't, isn't it kind of funny that if you're just there for that, you're, and it is true. You probably are burning. Yeah. That's deep, bro. Yeah. It's just, it just seems like, you know, who wants, who wants a poser? Right. You know, Jesus and God probably wouldn't even want a poser. No, no. You know who would want a poser is the devil. The freaking devil. Lucifer. Devil poses every. Look at all the stuff he posed on the mm-hmm. omen. Four. Yeah, for sure. Man. Posed lightning strikes and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. What a poser. <laughs> Almost deaths. Deaths. Cut in half. Lions. Great. Yeah. All that stuff is his fault. <laughs> Even the fact that I said that made me say something insensitive. It's great. <laughs> That's the second Tony the Tiger reference you've made. Man, I really want some cereal right now. <laughs> From some new frosted. You got any frosted flakes in there? Or do you got any frosted quakes? That's the Quaker version. I don't know if they do that anymore, but when I used to work at the grocery store, we thought it was so funny that frosted flakes made by Quaker Oats was frosted quakes. That's not even a generic brand. What's well, fun? it's cheaper though. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, they make it cheaper. Okay. The the Quaker stuff is. I was cheaper. gonna say, what's fun is to go to the grocery store and look at the generic names of, you know, like like you might have Cheerios and everyone knows what Cheerios are, and then you look down at the generic and it might be like, oat oat rounds or something. <laughs> <laughs> something weird. You're like what the hell is that? Frosty Puffs. Why don't they call them Odios? <laughs> I think that's a good name for cereal. Oat boats. Oat boats. You know what oat. that's from? I'll give you a trillion dollars if you can tell me what what '90s sitcom that's from. It's Friends. No man. Oh, I don't know. Full House. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, man. Yeah. Michelle's favorite cereal was oat boats. Oh, when and it was like a cereal they made up for the show. Yeah. Oh. That's anyway, some, that's some good writing. You were. You want to move on? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I don't want to go down a Full House. No, God, on. no. We'll so, be here talking all night about. Stephanie and her antics. Oh, her and her antics that happened later on. Oh, I forgot about that. But yeah, yeah let's keep anyway. On. The next movie that I want to talk about is called Comes a Horseman. I included. 
I included this 1970. No, gonna move on. I included this 1978 film because it's another in which not only did someone die on camera, but the film was included in the final release. Oh, the 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 death film of the death. Oh, wow. Well, the or, or more or less. While filming a scene in which Jason Robard's character is being dragged by a horse, his stunt double, a guy named Jim Shepard, was killed as the horse dragging him veered off course and struck Shepard's head on a fence post. As I said, the uh, footage was included in this film, but it was cut seconds before the horse runs into the post that kills Shepard. Sidebar, I knew a guy named Jim Shepard, but he was a neutrina salesman that sold dog food at the feed store that I worked at. But that's a different story. So the next movie. That's what makes this podcast <laughs> awesome. I'll never forget his name. Jim Shepard. Hey, you know, I was listening to Donna Mantis the other day. And <laughs> did you know that Joe knows a guy that has the same name? <laughs> a, a guy team. that fell into a uh, fence post. <laughs> the next movie we're going to talk about is called Steel. I do stuff like that, too. Yeah, it's all right. What, and it's S-T-E-E, uh, no, just two E's, S-T-E-E-L, right? S-T-E-E-L. Like the metal. Yeah, not like S-T-E-A-L. Well, I mean. Like that, for which you take something that is yeah, not yours. We got you. We're, we're with you, man. One of the stunts for this 1979 film required stuntman A.J. Bakunas to take a dive from the ninth floor of the Kincaid Towers in Lexington, Kentucky, which he did successfully. Okay, ninth floor is not that crazy. But previous... I wouldn't do it. Well, hell, I wouldn't do it from the first floor. But yeah. <laughs> previous to this, Bakunas had set a world record when he fell 230 feet from a helicopter. Okay. Shortly after performing the stunt for the movie Steel, though, from the ninth floor... Bakunas learned that fellow stuntman Dar Robinson had broken his record by more than 50 feet. So this guy named Dar Robinson had fell like 286 feet and uh, shattered the record of A.J. Bakunas. Bakunas was like, oh, hell no. No. So he went back to the Kincaid Towers, not from the ninth floor this time. He went to the 22nd floor. So he was attempting to fall a new world record of 300 feet. So he did fall 300 feet successfully, but he didn't live. <laughs> that was How was that successful then? Well, I mean his body fell 300 feet. That happened. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to <laughs> we kept trying to drop him, he just wouldn't fall. <laughs> it's like no. what's the, what is it with the gravity right here? I guess hey, let's call in some more gravity. Where's our gravity salesman? I guess that's the stipulation is you have to live through it, right? Yeah. Okay. So he, he failed. He fell 300 feet, but he failed because... But he successfully fell. You he were, did fall 300 hey, feet. You were not wrong. You, if were, you're, you were not wrong to say that. I if, mean, <laughs> technically, you were not wrong to say that. If his objective when stepping off that ledge was, hey, I'm about to fall 300 feet, he succeeded. But win for me, you know, we got good news, bad news. Ba <laughs> he did fall. So that's the good news. But the bad news is he didn't survive the fall. He did not. Um, yeah. To anyone listening that may be relatives or have known AJ Bakunas, I apologize. Um, in all seriousness, he did pass away. Yeah. He did the jump perfectly. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was a professional. He was, he was right on the money. 
but the air bla- the the airbag split when he impacted and he was killed. So, um, AJ technically did everything he was supposed to do. Yeah, the airbag split. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. So there you go. Um, okay, so let's move on. Charlie's Angels. Anyone remember this seventies TV show? Oh yeah. Um, during the filming of the uh, of a particular episode of Charlie's Angels called Angels in a Box in 1979. Stunt women Julie Robinson. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Julie Ann Johnson and Jeannie Coulter were severely injured while performing a stunt in which they leapt from a speeding car. Okay, so nobody died. Uh, The reason that I included this was because I just thought it was interesting that the stunt car's driver, uh, a guy named Bobby Bass, was out of his effing mind on cocaine and ended up driving way faster than he was supposed to. It's like, and that's what, in, yeah, that's what it resulted Ugh. in the women's injuries. Oh, yeah. Jumping from a moving car anyway, but yeah, it's like everything's geared for like 30 and they go. Because, I mean, we talked about it earlier, like you speed the footage up and make it look like it's 60. Even for sure. 30, yeah. But yeah. this guy, like he was on coke. So, oh, yeah. so he sped up in real life. Yeah. He should have went to the Caddyshack uh, filming <laughs> and not. Charlie's Angels. He or he could have been f- more fit in. Or he could have been on the cast of uh, of uh, the seventies Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, he would have fit right in. A lot of that powder in there. Yeah. Um, okay, so even good old Dukes of Hazard, good old wholesome, mildly racist Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> didn't escape filming without a death. Oh, I, I never knew there was a death. I figured there's probably injuries. Yeah, with all, all the those, car stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was um, they were filming an episode in 1980. Uh, an assistant, an assistant cameraman, Rodney Mitchell, was killed, and eight other crew members were injured when their camera truck flipped while rehearsing a chase scene. Yeah. Did you know? I don't know if if they did it in the original series, but a lot of times in in Hollywood, when a car jumps, does a jump. It doesn't even run up to the jump. Oh, really? It's like on a pneumatic powered, like almost like something you'd buy at your Hot Wheels for your Hot Wheels. Really? And you press a button and it goes. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it's just like sitting there because you can, it's so much more controlled. So there's not even a, a guy in the car. Yeah, maybe a dummy or something. Okay. But I mean, okay. sometimes I would imagine there's a guy if the director's like, we want a guy in there. So it right. looks, you know, we don't have to. But tell me, tell me this, Ivan, if you're so <laughs> smart. <laughs> How do they freeze the car in midair so Waylon Jennings can say, "Look like these boys got a little bit more than they bargained for." Well, there's a. It's similar to what's on your VHS. It's like <laughs> two bars. Oh, a pause. Yeah. <laughs> Not to get too technical. Okay. But I believe it's called pause. Okay, I get it. All right. No, no, but I did like that part. It's like looks like they got more than they can handle this time. And on the commercial, then you come back is like, oh no, they landed it. Yeah, you're wrong, Waylon. You you got me worked up through all the tank commercials. <laughs> and I thought they were going to die. I'm like, what's going on? I don't I'm, it's on commercial. I think I think Bo and Luke got more chewed off more than they could chew that. Looks time. like these two redneck dipshits got a little bit more than they bargained for. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I'm making Waylon Jennings sound like a a black dude from the 40s. That was actually pretty smooth, Waylon. Was it? Yeah. All right. No, yeah. but I mean, it was pretty, it was smoother than, you're right. I mean, you had like a radio voice. Almost. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't no, know. fantastic show. Um, it was. It was a good show. Daisy Duke was nice. Oh, yeah. She seemed like a real nice lady. Like her character had a lot of uh, substance. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. <laughs> seem seem to. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> should we move on? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, so this is good. This rambling, incoherent train wreck of an episode is coming to an end. Okay, guys. Oh. Thank you for sticking with us as long as you have. Um, I promise I probably won't drink wine any any time in the future before an episode. So anyway, uh, the last <laughs> movie we're going to talk about tonight is the one that actually inspired this entire series. <laughs> I even nailed it right on the head. So a few weeks ago, my buddy Cody, you'll you'll know him because he's been on our podcast before. Uh, he came out to work and he sat down and he said, hey, man, just out of nowhere. He just came, came and walked in my office, sat down and said, hey, man, did you know that while they were filming the Twilight Zone movie in 1983 that two people got their heads cut off and three people died? And I said, the hell you say, Cody, tell me more. And so he showed me on YouTube the video of it. So that's what inspired this entire series, because, you know, after that, I was like, well, I wonder how many other people have died making movies. So. Um, let's talk about the Twilight Zone movie. This 1983 horror anthology consisted of a remake of three original Twilight Zone episodes, plus one original created for the film. It was a collaborative effort between directors John Landis, Steven Spielberg, Joe Dante, and George Miller. And it starred such heavyweights as John Lithgow, Dan Aykroyd, Scatman Crothers, Kathleen Quinlan, and Vic Morrow, along with several episodes that they tracked down, uh, not episodes, several actors that they tracked down from the original series back in the 60s. Yeah, uh, narrated by Burgess Meredith. Absolutely, who was in one of our favorite episodes. What's the name of that episode, Ivan? I can't uh, remember. That's um, I have Time Enough at Last? Time Enough at Last. Thank Is that you, what sir. it's called? Yes, yes. Okay. He was also in some other ones, uh, the Fantastic Mr. Dingle. Oh, that that's true, yes. Where the, ro- the, not robots, where the aliens gave him the powers. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. But yeah, Time Enough at Last is the one in which Burgess Meredith is, uh, all he wants to do is read. And his wife is incensed by it throughout the whole episode. And, and all he talks about is wanting to have enough time to read. And then does it, is it that he wakes up one day and the whole world is like, he's the only person left in the world. No, there's a nuclear. Like, that's correct. Holocaust, yeah. And so he's walking around. I mean, I'm assuming. I don't know if they actually. Did they say, specify that it was nuclear holocaust? It's been so long. But yeah, I mean, you just get that feeling. I think if if not, it's, it might, there might be something that they, they're, they're masters, you know. Yeah, Uh, for sure. So somehow they painted that picture. Yeah, so somehow uh, he's basically the only person left, and then he's wandering around all the rubble, and he's so depressed, and like, you know, where is everybody? And then he finds a library, and he finds like thousands of books scattered around, and he's actually elated. My God, finally, I can read unabated and and have, you know, no distractions. And then uh, in true Twilight Zone style, right after realizing this, he, he drops his glasses and breaks them. The only thing that I don't like about that episode is um, not not really a critical of the episode, but just think about this. Like, so to me, the guy was just crapped on by everyone and all they wanted it was just to read. So maybe that's like a maybe that's like a life lesson. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to put up with it. And just because you're crapped on all the time doesn't mean that you know, things are going to work out for you in the end. It's not right. like karma or whatever, but seriously, everything bad happens to the guy. Yeah. And at the end, the ultimate bad thing happens to him. Yeah. So, and you think 
just when you think it's almost like dumb and dumber in a way, just when you think this guy's going to get it, you know, it's like, Hey, he's got everything he needs. So this could be, this could be a lesson to um, married folks. So listen, if your husband, uh, every like one night a week wants to go play poker with the boys and just, you know, just let him or to husbands out there. If your wife one night a week wants to have a glass of red wine and have some girlfriends over and watch Grey's Anatomy, stay the hell out of the living room. Let her do that. Let her have her, let her have her space. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're like, even if you're married, you're still individual people with individual, uh, you know, interests yeah, so and the, stuff. So there's like you know, a nuclear okay. war and, and only a girl and her friends survive. And then they, uh, they all go in the bedrooms like, Hey, our husbands are all dead. We can finally watch Grey's Anatomy together. It's like, we don't have the Netflix password. Only my <laughs> husband knows that. <laughs> that's my equivalent of that episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. The account's in his name. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's the, yeah, that's the current, the modern day uh, Tech version. Tech support is closed. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so let's get back on track. The original episode out of all these was uh, written and directed by John Landis. And uh, this is the episode that tragedy befell, which is why we're talking about it, obviously. It starred veteran actor Vic Morrow, who portrays a bitter racist named Bill Connor. On July 23rd, 1982, Morrow and two child actors, I believe they were like seven and eight years old, Micah Den Lee and Renee Shin Yi Chen. Uh, they were Vietnamese, I believe. They were all three killed and six others. Why, why are you giggling over there, man? Oh, something I wrote down just now. Oh, okay. Six others were injured when uh, in one of the worst onset accidents in movie history you don't think you're gonna say we're gonna say no i'm not saying anything i'm on the edge of my seat okay i'm I'm trying to be somber here because this is serious shit ivan oh yeah it is for sure a scene was being filmed on location at the indian dunes ranch along the santa clara river in california it was being shot at night and called for morrow's character to carry the two children out of a deserted village while being tracked and shot at by a helicopter hovering just above this helicopter was a Bell UH-1 Iroquois and was piloted by the Vietnam veteran Dorsey Wingo, who was carrying five crew on board that night. When time came to shoot, Wingo hovered the helicopter at 25 feet. 25 feet! That's not much. 25 feet! My goddamn house is taller than that. So people remember, 25 feet, hovering a helicopter. While Morrow began to carry the two children across the shallow pond. At the same time, a series of explosives were being detonated. The next series of events all happened within seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. As Morrow was roughly halfway across the water, he dropped Chen and was reaching into the water to retrieve her. At this exact time, Wingo rotated the helicopter 180 degrees to the next shot placing the tail rotor of the aircraft directly over a mortar effect that went off, severing the tail rotor and sending the helicopter into a temporary spin before crashing into the water. When it did so, Vic Morrow and Lee were decapitated by the chopper's main rotors and Chen was crushed by the right landing skid. All three were killed instantly. Now, if you're so inclined to, and I'm going to tell you Don't guys. Do it. Don't be inclined to. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to suggest. Don't lose your head and not, watch this video. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. 
I'm going to suggest not to, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you exactly how to watch it. Don't you, do it. You can go to YouTube, okay? And I'm not going to tell you exactly how to watch it because I can't remember the specific name of the video, but there is a video on YouTube that breaks down the footage of this frame by frame. The footage of this exists, okay? And there is a frame by frame breakdown on YouTube where you can see, and this is bananas. If you don't think this is bananas, then I don't know what's wrong. Get your life together. But you can go to YouTube and you can see frame by frame Vic Morrow carrying the children across and then they break it down. He drops one child. He leans down to get her. In one frame, him and the child he's holding have their heads. In the next frame, as the chopper falls, their heads are about two feet above their bodies because they've just been decapitated. And in the next frame after that, the helicopter lands all the way, which, and you know, at which point it kills the third person. So there is footage out there that you can see any old time. You can be eating your tuna salad sandwich at work tomorrow and be like, well, let me see what this Twilight Zone thing would And you can literally see these people die. I've watched it and I don't suggest it. But anyway, it's there. That's what happened. It was, it was horrible. Um, John Landis and others from the production team were tried and ultimately acquitted of manslaughter charges in a nine month trial that went from like late uh, 1986, to 1987. Yeah. But Mick, not Mick, Vic Morrow's family settled out of court and the children's parents were also awarded millions in civil court. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, they should have. I mean, that mo- that movie made money. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, if we want to get really into the weeds, which I didn't add into this, but. Uh, John Landis really was not by the book on this. Mm-hmm. These kids shouldn't have. This was this happened like in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, child labor laws. Oh yeah, uh, did yeah. not permit this to happen. So he these kids were working under the table. Mm. A lot of other stuff was going on like under the table, which. It's one of those deals, like if, and we'll talk about it in the third episode. It's not the reason why they died, but there's no. other stuff going on. Yeah. And if it would have been pulled off, which it has been in a lot of other movies, quote unquote, under the table stuff, doing whatever you got to do to get the shot, it would have been great. But it's the fact that it wasn't pulled off and there was this tragic accident that got him into trouble. I wonder you know? if anyone checks. I wonder if someone's like, hey, that's at night. And then they call. It's like, oh, yeah, we did that on a closed set and made it look like it was night or whatever. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, you know, uh, it's been rumored that Vic Morrow's last words before running out into the water was, I really should have gotten a stunt double. Oh, yeah. But that again, be- that's another one of those things where did that really happen? Or is that it's so easy after the fact for, sure, for stuff yeah. like that to be It'd be intriguing if it up. did. So. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Well, is that it? it? That's it. All right. That's all I got for part two. There is a part three, so check us out for that. Uh, Any closing thoughts or remarks? Uh, No. Um, Yeah. You know, just uh, thanks for listening if you're still listening through all this. And uh, (laughs) we'll we'll talk to you on the third episode. Yep. All right. Talk to you guys later. We are out. Good night.